Cardstruck with Clark and Alyssa. How's that tea treating you? It's good. Is it still warm? Uh, it's lukewarm. It's caffeinated. That's what I needed. There you go. One thing, I, I have a couple coworkers that were, will sip on a gas station coffee over the course of like an entire day. And it, you're one of those? Okay. Totally. It's yep. cold after the first hour, right? No, I, well, it used to be, yeah. And then I got a, a fancy schmancy city brew mug that's like oh, really good thermos that yeah. it is cold toward the end of the day, but it lasts for a good couple of hours. Okay. How are you rationing your sips so that it lasts? I found like I, I take gulps, not sips. I'm not a gulper. You're not a gulper. Like I literally cannot make a gas station coffee last longer than half an hour. Like, I just can't. I, like, because every time I drink it, I'm just like, glug, and it just doesn't last. So you sip it. Is there a, is there a technique? Do you, do you, like, really, like, like when you're sipping wine? Um, I've never really thought about it. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it, it's, yeah, I, I'm not a gulper. If it, if it's, a like, I don't get two swallows in one go. Hmm. It's, it's a. Enough to fill my mouth. Well, all right. So Harry Potter. Um, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, we are on to, uh, in this week's episode, we are talking, <laughs> I'm getting so much shaking of heads over here. Uh, it's okay, Alyssa. No, it's not. It's not that I, I didn't set you off on purpose. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, anyway. So, on this episode of Wordstruck, live from Secret Weapon Studios, with my friend Alyssa, we are talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Are we friends? Is that where we are? Maybe not after this episode, apparently. So, what happens in chapters 11 and 12? 11. Chapter 11. It's the Firebolt. Boom. Firebolt. As in Chekhov's. <laughs> Finally. And in this chapter, Harry struggles with what he's learned about Sirius Black, only to be distracted by a distraught Hagrid and a generous but mysterious Christmas gift. Yeah. Mm. So, so this chapter opens with Harry, sort of in a in a fever dream, returning to Hogwarts, mm. and and like having some emotional turmoil and and turning over some things in his mind. Um, and he plays possum in his room when Ron comes in to check on him because, uh, he just heard a whole ton of exposition about his family and Sirius Black and, uh, it checks out his family photo album. And I, I was reading that chapter and I thought to myself, like, I mean, who doesn't like, why is he just now noticing this person? And then I sort of ran it through the filter of 13-year-old Alyssa, and I looked at a whole bunch of family albums, and I discounted all the people that I didn't know. <laughs> Did you really go through and look look at family albums? Yeah. Oh. I scrapbooked with my mom growing up. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, said no one ever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That actually is pretty neat. It, it led me to my current profession. Well, not really my current one, but the one right before this of page layout and design. Yeah. It was sort of like early... Early like scrapbooking led to professional scrapbooking. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, hmm. um, but I do remember going through like family albums and sort of discounting people I didn't know. Yeah. Um, 
But that, that feeling of like suddenly I know a person in this photo that I've maybe looked at hundreds of times yeah, is yeah. a really strange feeling. And Harry has that when he, he flips through his photo album and finds the wedding photo of his parents. And there right next to James is Sirius Black. Hmm. Or so he puts together. Well, yeah. And... Well, and I'm pretty sure he's he's confident that that's what it is because he's seen the photos. He's yeah. seen the mug shot. Yeah, I think it's him. Um, and and he has this thought to himself of, was he planning their deaths now in this photo? Yeah. Like, is he hiding something here? Yeah. And I don't know. What do you think? Well, see, the more I've been thinking about, I mentioned <clears throat> right towards the end of the last episode like this alternate theory i'm like i have to get this out here what is serious black's not the bad guy mm-hmm. and i just had to say it just to cover my tracks and and it, it seeing this and this revelation and seeing him just be all normal and stuff in the photo album kind of makes me th- put a little bit more weight in that where it's like i feel like there's more to this story than just this guy turned bad because he turned bad because he's a bad guy like I'm curious to see what the twist is if it's if it even was Sirius Black at all. Um, I mean, for all we know, that's the thing about wizards and transfiguration and stuff like that. For all we know, like it was somebody just literally transfigured into him. You know, we don't know. Like if if you can transform into crab and goyle, then why couldn't someone yeah. just appear? To someone polyjuiced. Yeah, it, juiced up. So it, it so in my mind. Um, it seems like he might not, you know, he might have been the smiling, happy person that was their secret keeper, but then he was framed and he had to just like run and go into hiding. Now, how that plays into Azkaban and how, why the Dementors don't affect him. We'll talk about that more in the next chapter. Um, but for now, the the whole thing of him being looking normal and seeing like everything is just kind of okay and he's super happy for the Potters, it just kind of gives a little more heft to my theory that maybe he's not a bad guy or maybe this is just a much more complex situation. So yeah, that's about where I stand on that. Is it possible that he is a bad guy just wasn't at this point or maybe not even bad guy, but, but was it was him, but he was maybe coerced or yeah, it could be extorted or, I mean, for all we know, like, you know, the Malfoys were at their wedding, too, and everyone got along just great before Voldemort rose up into power. Like, yeah, it could very well be. Uh, and and the book wants me to believe that Sirius Black is still the main bad guy. So, I'm, you know, I'll play along with that for a bit. But in the, in the back of my mind, you know, I have a hunch. But according to the book, still Sirius Black, still a big bad guy. Harry is really upset to the point of, like, Pretty much wanting to kill him. Like, not denying that he doesn't want to kill him, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's sort of a, like, I wouldn't want to, like, he doesn't want to meet me on an abandoned street situation. Yeah. Of, like, if I saw him hanging off a cliff, would I reach down and pull him up? Eh, no. No. Do you think he would? Do you think he has it in him? To kill him? Or even to not help him. He's killed before. He can kill again. Someone helpless like that? Helpless. If he's like hanging off a cliff mm. in that situation. I don't know. I think it, it, this is the one thing that would get him to do that. His parents being killed. 
I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, like under any given circumstance or in, under anything else, no, Harry wouldn't do it. But the person who killed his parents, yep, I think he has a special place in his heart for for that person where he can just uh, he can do it. If he needs to, if the situation occurs, I'd, we'll see if he actually hunts him down and does anything about it. But so Harry's yeah. sort of venting this and and grappling with it and reeling on this, and then um, he finally like faces Ron and Hermione, and they try to talk him down, and they don't succeed at talking him down. No, no. But they do succeed at directing his energy to he's gonna go shake down Hagrid <laughs> they're like we should go hang out with Hagrid yeah let's go talk to Hagrid and Harry's yeah like, yeah so I can let's get some answers from Hagrid and they're like or let's play gobstones <laughs> chess anyone <laughs> it's so funny please I love their conversation with Harry because it felt like an it, intervention it felt like an intervention rehearsed yeah it felt like two parents found a joint in someone's in their kid's dresser and they're like all right as soon as he gets home you know, we're going to be sitting in chairs, flip the lights on. It, it was so funny. I I wish that I could have seen them um, orchestrate that, you know, like, all right, you emphasize the danger that it would put upon him. Okay. You emphasize how it's playing into Malfoy's hands and how it's playing into Black's hands. <laughs> I, I don't think they planned it. Like, I think they probably talked about, we need to talk to him. Hmm. But I I don't think they mapped it out. And I don't think... Hmm. If anyone mapped it out, maybe Hermione did. But I think that she knows that even if she tells Ron what he should focus on, he's not listening. He's going rogue. Because Ron's a jerk. He's going to focus on whatever he thinks is the most important. And he's he's kind of more... um, He rolls with the punches in conversation, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah. He's, and so if someone tries to give him a map, he's going to be like, oh, that's nice, as he throws it over his shoulder in a wad. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, I'm, I'm just going to buy into whatever premise we're talking about. Fly by the next. seat of his pants kind of guy. Yeah. So as much as Hermione might have wanted to be like, this is the best tactic to persuade him not to do this, mm. Ron would be like, yeah, I, I, I know my best friend. Yeah. Like, Hermione probably knows better. Uh yeah, Still. but those are also, I mean, we're talking about it. Like, those are really uncomfortable conversations. They're so sterile. And those conversations with your parents about, here's a pamphlet. And, yeah, yeah. W- like, the organized, it's it's very rare that, that that feels like an organic stop, Yeah, I guess. I so badly want to write pamphlets. Uh, <laughs> if you dream it, you can do it, Clark. <laughs> See? You what? can do posters then. <laughs> I was born. I I do in an essence some sort of poster. <laughs> yes, yes, news poster. You can hang your news on the wall like a poster, or you can hang People it in do. a museum. Just saying. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I've seen that. No big deal. No big deal. Just want your newspaper hanging in a you know museum. That's pretty neat. <clears throat> so um, they go down to Hagrid's hut, and Harry's all fire and like ready to take on Hagrid. Why didn't you tell me about this? Mm-hmm. And ends up carrying a, a very drunken and sad Hagrid into his home to hear all about how Buckbeak's been served. Out of the last five times the people have gone, the, the kids have gone to Hagrid's house, how many times has it ended with Hagrid crying a drunken mess? 
I think we're at like three out of five at this point. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, it was Norbert. It was... Buckbeak the first. Well, I mean, like after the whole incident. Oh, yeah. But Buckbeak one, Buckbeak two. Yeah. I think there was another one in... Um... There's something about not the spider. I mean, yeah, he wasn't drunk mm. then. He made tea. But I feel like in Chamber of Secrets, there was something as well. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But we're at a pretty high ratio of going to Hagrid's house and him just being a wreck. Well, we've been over this, though. Like, it's... it's He does not have a great reputation in this world. Yeah. He has a reputation for being a giant, blundering drunkard. Yeah. So he has a reputation as someone who you can get drunk at the pub and he'll buy a dragon egg. a dragon egg off of you <laughs> oh, and man. and and will spill all the information in the world yeah so it's and then i mean yeah we saw him drunk at or or tipsy at least at the three broomsticks mm. taught you know expositioning with the best of them yep but loose lips sink hippogriffs so, yeah, it's it's troubling. Yeah. It's odd because, I mean, he's not directly responsible for kids in those hours. Yeah. It's a weird boundary thing. It is. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's this, it's whatever Scottish is in him. <laughs> mm. <laughs> They're very economical. They get off work and they start drinking right away and they're in bed by 10. Yep. And I feel like that's also Hagrid's. Very little sunlight in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's indicative of that. But yeah. anyway, he's he's mourning the fact that the Committee for the Disposal of Dangerous Creatures is taking up Buckbeak's case, which for the record, that is that cannot be a neutral committee. Yeah. For the disposal of dangerous creatures. Like, even animal control sounds better than that. Yeah. Which, I mean, they're probably about the same thing. But yeah, disposal of dangerous creatures. Yeah. That's... If you're mm. in front of that committee, you're you're guilty bef- until proven innocent, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Unless you're a manticore, which nobody wanted to get near, even though they literally all have magic. I think even then, man, you're, you're in front of the wrong committee. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. And okay, so this whole thing, what I wrote down for my questions, like in the notes is like, okay, what crime has Buckbeak committed? And does that crime really like the sentence is death? And the closest thing I could think of is like, okay, there's a thing with dogs. um, Well, with any animal, really. But like, yeah, it's all fine and dandy. You have a dog, whatever. If it kind of snaps at you when you go to grab its bone, no big deal, whatever. But like if it bites a kid maliciously, most people, that's the line with the dog where it's like, it was a good dog, but then it bit a kid maliciously, that dog's gone now. Mm -hmm. And even if you liked it, it's still like, nope, you don't bite kids. You don't bite kids at all. That means you die. Uh, And I wonder if that's just the same way people if if that's the angle they're taking with this where they're like you know what there is no three strike policy you bit a kid that's it um it's yeah that that's generally i don't know i think about uh uh, i've i've heard our our local rules about dogs that bite people mm. um and it it for here it's 
that dog is under like house arrest oh. for a certain amount of time. Hmm. If if like they put the little ankle bracelet on it, it's like te- I think the language was under it. under human power. Ooh, which means like you can't dominion. You can't even leave the dog outside unattended. Hmm. Like if it is outside, it is on a leash. So even in a fenced in yard, hmm. it's gotcha. not. It it has to be on a leash, hmm. and I feel like that to me is a fair like way to address this and that is like you're concerned about rabies you're concerned about spread we don't know there are some certain tests that are coming back we're, we're concerned that like yeah that, that this dog might be rabid and so it might exhibit more of these behaviors over the coming days yeah you're just containing it until you have more and until you're sure yeah. the dog's okay and i feel like that might be a fair treatment of this situation mm-hmm. but by this time, the incident is long past. This yeah. is like gotten tangled up in bureaucracy. And if there's something wrong with Buckbeak, like it's probably too far gone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but, but bureaucracy. So my question is, okay, so those potted plant things that scream and mess you up real bad. Mm-hmm. What are those called? Mandrakes. Mandrakes. If someone, if a student had not worn their earmuffs and a mandrake screamed, and it hurt the kid pretty bad because mandrakes do that, would they be like, well, kill that mandrake? Or would they be like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you take off your ears. And in the same way that, like, Hagrid, again, he said, don't insult them, they will attack you. Don't insult them, they will attack you. It's like, don't grab it. I wouldn't put a dog down if it bit a kid, if the kid was reaching for the bone that the dog was eating and the dog was growling and giving signs of like, don't go for this bone, don't for this bone. And it bites the kid. It's like, yeah, now you know, don't go for the bone when the dog's eating it. Like lesson learned, right? I think the issue there is they're studying, they study mandrakes in herbology. Mm -hmm. So somehow a mandrake is considered a plant. Yeah, that is so bizarre to me, but okay. And Buckbeak is very clearly not a plant. It is a creature. Yeah. And so there's, for some reason, a mandrake doesn't count in the same way as a creature. And so I wonder, even though the the mandrake has humanoid characteristics, it has takes some some form of agency. Yeah. It maybe doesn't actually have agency. It doesn't like sentience, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't make decisions. It instead like almost like reads pheromones, and then adapts. Yeah. It's it's purely chemical stimulus response, as yeah. opposed to thinking things through. Thought, yeah. yeah. So it's more so like, like an ant or a bee at that point. Like like when the mandrakes move in together into each other's pots, that's mm. not like, I like this one over this one. It's this one's giving off the right amount of pheromones and so am I and we mix in the mm. end. Mm. It's, and and so I, I think on some level the mandrakes are less, less sentient. Hmm. Do you ever listen to the podcast Every Little Thing? No. <laughs> they uh, recently did an episode on banana slugs. Turns out mating habits real interesting. I'll leave it to the uh, listener to look that up. But <laughs> it's uh, 
it's it's much more graphic than the than the mandrakes that's for sure <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah and i guess that's it like okay buckbeak because it's not a plant because it has seems to have intelligence and sentience it can be charged as you know this is assault this is it's i just think about like if if I go to a rose garden and I prick my finger on a rose thorn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that is more on par with a mandrake treating mistreating that going in without protection yeah. on, on a mandrake and versus hippogriff would be closer to a dog that bit you or harambe. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, a man. lot closer to harambe. A lot really. closer to harambe. Ah oh, man, harambe. Dude. So sad this this is this is really mm. it is it a is. rough situation for and poor hagrid just like is trying to take care of this creature and he's he's like the committee for the care of of pretty much magical creatures i mean he's filled in the role that uh the what is it fantastic beast and where to find them that guy newt 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 Salamander? Scamander. Scamander, yeah. I mean, Hagrid's kind of like the modern or the the contemporary version of him, I guess. He doesn't go out and get him quite as much, but whatever. He Uh, totally would. He would if he could, yeah. If he hadn't been expelled and could actually use magic and probably didn't have as much of a drinking problem and could go in public (laughs) Yeah, without people like not. And also, he's just really tall and big. All the better to catch Feet like baby dolphins. <laughs> best, best quote. <laughs> <laughs> baby dolphins. Mm. So um, uh, after that, we head to Christmas. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Harry has some gifts, the biggest of which is Mystery Firebolt. Mystery Firebolt. Uh, Where'd it come from, Clark? Uh, yep, yep, yep. No, you'd ask me that. Um, hmm. Mystery Firebolt. Hmm. Firebolt of unknown origin. Hmm. Well, the Weasleys got some money, but I don't think they care that much about Quidditch. Um, no. Molly would definitely sign her name to that. Yeah, like, unless she, she thought it would be really awkward for him or something. She's she's in the interest of of making sure Harry feels like he has a family and is loved. Okay, yeah, that I, makes. Sense. I think it. I mean, I'm I, I'm not usually not in the Molly. in the place of putting the kibosh on options, but I think Lupin's out because he doesn't seem to care that much about quidditch and it seems like he's already helping harry enough like if lupin also gave him a broom and he's giving him dementor lessons and he's really cool and he's a werewolf he i mean he's 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 like the main been character on the book. like school counselor status and he could potentially elevate to like surrogate dad status if he plays his cards right he could it'd be weird uh, I mean, Hagrid is kind of a surrogate uncle status. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I honestly don't really know on this. I don't even have a good guess. Really? Yeah. Surprising. I, yeah. I. I just. I don't know. I don't think it's McGonagall. I don't think it's 
Dumbledore because Dumbledore hasn't mattered in this book at all. He <laughs> so just true. hasn't. Like this, <laughs> this, this just is not Dumbledore's book. He doesn't matter. It'd be really weird if he had done it. Same with McGonagall. McGonagall doesn't really matter. And why should we, why would she go through all the rigmarole just to like what cover her tracks of like <laughs> she she gave him the last broom, didn't she? McGonagall. Yes. Yeah. I don't think she would give him another broom, but not tell him and then take it away from him and have it checked. Like, yeah, I I think her reaction to the firebolt, yeah, of of confiscating it is a it, flag that it's not her. Yeah, not Hermione, not Ron. I don't. I mean, it could be Ron's dad, just to um, just to spite Slytherin, essentially. Uh, just because he's just he's just tired of the Malfoys, all that. He had some of the money. Like, yeah, Molly would tell for sure, but would Ron's dad? I don't know. And Ron's dad is one of the only other adults that really had, like, a good, like, speaking of surrogate father, right? Like, <laughs> he's the one who's actually had a couple of those moments with Harry where he plays kind of surrogate dad. So... I think Ron's dad is my leading theory, just to spite um, the the Malfoys. But who knows? Who knows? I really don't. That's that's all I got. Interesting. <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> Maybe it's a Dementor. Maybe the Dementors just want them to be happy so they can What's suck. What's under out that of hood? Them. Just a bunch of firebolts. <laughs> Whole bunch of firebolts. <laughs> it's just a broom with the with the arms. Yeah. Tiny brooms. Tiny brooms. Broom made of brooms. Have you seen Bojack? No. Oh, man. There's this character where you're led to believe that it's like three kids standing on top of each other under a trench coat, but they never actually reveal it. But for some reason, the character, you know, has essentially a kid's head and a kid's voice and like brooms for hands. Like he just tries to manipulate everything with brooms and stuff. So you're like, okay, it's obviously three kids under a trench coat, but they never actually pay it off. Spoiler alert. So you're just like, maybe that is just a person with brooms for hands. I feel like that's not a spoiler. I feel like that's like like mm. no spoiler alert. Like still unknown. <laughs> that's fair. I don't know if they'll make another season of Bojack though. Spoiler alert. There's another season in all of our hearts. Oh. What an interesting Including show. mine, which is really weird because I've never seen it. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> uh so um a th- a thing that I brought mm. mm-hmm. because it's Christmas. Yeah, and uh, th- this is the oddest it's meshing Christmas in the book. Not, it's not it's here. oddest meshing of cultures. It's June here. I I found at a store Fourth of July crackers. So we have crackers like- in the model of Christmas crackers. That is amazing. So it's a Christmas cracker with um. I'm going to take a picture. Yeah, American. I'll Instagram that. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes too if I need to. But yeah, it's a Christmas popper. So we're looking at, it's kind of like those candies where you like pull on the sides to like untwist them and then the candy kind of falls out of the middle. It's like that, only instead of pulling on like plastic scrunchies, you're pulling on like paper, paper, like small toilet paper tubes. And they kind of pull out and we are going to have a... A nifty sound effect here. Um, there might be glitter in these. I don't know. You are going to <laughs> glitter bomb my house. <sighs> 
You're We're going to do it. My Roomba is going to be on overtime this week. A little Roomba. We're going to do it. Okay. So what do I do? I just we grab pull. this. We pull. Do I have to pinch? How hard do I pull? Okay. Until it breaks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Oh. Uh, you are not good <laughs> Three, at this. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> oh. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> it, did, it did not oh, seem to work. Oh, it's a matcha tea. Look at that. <laughs> Oh, is this oolong? Very is nice. Any, so I think I won if if it, if you're holding on to it at the end. Is this a wishbone scenario? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's something in it. What? Because like, come on, this is like not working well. What's in it? Okay. Is that a note? This is, this Ooh. is I was expecting like. Oh, it's quizzes. That's odd. What? What's the oh, and quiz? a sticker? There's a sticker. Oh, where? Can I put it on me? What, or no, no wait, you I won. won. Yeah. <laughs> we can play again. There. Oh, are it's lots an American more. flag sticker. It's kind of like the I voted sticker. It's, it's very patriotic. Okay, that's yours. What's the quiz? Okay. So, um, how tall is the Statue of Liberty, New York? Um, um, how tall is it? That's uh, funny. You should ask. It's two hundred and sixteen feet tall. You're you're very very good at your BS, but no, it's 151 feet tall. Oh, it's not even 200, huh? Okay. Um, second question: How many people have cookouts on July 4th? All of them. Next question. <laughs> billions. Billions. 74 million. Nice. Want to play again? Uh, yeah. Let's do one more. One more. One more. I'm gonna win this time. Now that I know the. Now that I know what's now, at now stake. Now you know how it goes. Yeah. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. How did you win again? <laughs> this is know. upsetting. You should you should take okay. it though. Okay. It's, it's explosive. It's it's like um, mm -hmm. party poppers. That's what it feels like. Yeah, only without the confetti. I was really expecting confetti. I was expecting glitter. I'm glad there's not glitter because I also record in the studio, and so it would also be syphilis for me. Yeah. We Less would. frequent, but still problematic. Yeah. Also, we did that over my book, so I would have taken all of it home. Okay. Okay. So this is a this is a weird question because it's a okay. How did the name Uncle Sam originate? How did it originate? Yeah. Yeah. This episode's coming out on the fifth. Come to think of it, so yeah, uh, I was like, this is perfect timing. Yeah, this is it's, there's a holiday, yeah. okay. and yeah. we'll be just a little bit late, That's but. Okay. There's also a holiday in the book. Um, oh, I'm going to guess that um, uh, so, um, was it like the the brother or uncle of the president was was as a way to get people to enlist said like my Uncle Sam. Oh, everybody's no. Uncle Sam. No, I, I like that. It's like Joe the Plumber. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uncle Sam originated in 1812 when a meat packer by the name of Sam Wilson provided meat to the U.S. Army. Someone saw the meat shipments that were stamped with U.S. and joked that the initials stood for Uncle Sam. Interesting. So they say. I did not know. I don't know what the source is on that. <sighs> World market. <laughs> Fake news. All right, question. When, wait, when the Liberty Bell was cast, how much did it weigh? Mm -hmm. Not now. It's a different different weight now. It's It's gone through some stuff when it was it's cast. It's seen things. It's seen things. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how much that would weigh. I it's feel like, like it's really heavy, isn't it? It's about as much as a car, yeah. 
So a couple tons? No, a couple tons. I don't know how much. It's it's a uh, two thousand and eighty pounds. Oh. Or it was. Who knows these days? Two thousand and eighty pounds, Liberty Bell. I think that we should petition to um, weigh it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just cause. Just cause. Anyway, anyway that, that was fun. Is as close to Christmas crackers as we can get this time of year. Granted, um, my roommate did get me Christmas crackers at Christmas time, and I kept them and haven't used them. So you have a good roommate, Alyssa. Another time around, I really do. She's kind of awesome. Yeah, she's neat. Um, anyway, so that was fun. That was our detour. Uh, Christmas dinner. Christmas that happens. Dinner. Woo! Man. Um, one of my favorite things at Christmas dinner is uh, how McGonagall and Trialani are are very much the bickering aunts. Yep. Yep. Very much. 100%. Uh, yeah, that whole interaction is just... Man, they, they didn't even pull punches. Where, like, McGonagall... You know, Trelawney explains. She's like, "Oh, well, sometimes I play dumb." And McGonagall's like, oh, "That play explains dumb, a huh? lot." Yeah, it's it's like a, a bad TV movie style family argument. Yeah, of of just the low low blows. I don't. I mean, I've been at some uncomfortable family dinners, but it's always a lot more subtle than that. Yeah. But part of the problem, I mean, we see Trelawney outside of her tower and how she interacts with people. You're like, oh, I can now see why McGonagall does not like her. Oh, yeah, no, she is not a likable person. She is so annoying. Like, and the whole thing, like, the inner eye, when she talks about it, it's like, okay, it's someone who's more more tuned into the spirit world. They have a proclivity towards the spiritual and the ethereal. And that's okay. But there's a big difference between that and being omniscient. And and the way Trelawney sells it is more as she's like, oh, well, yes, I try not to let people know that I know everything. It's like, no, you don't. No one expected you to know everything, um, like about Lupin and all mm-hmm. that. Because, like, Trelawney doesn't even seem to figure out that he's a werewolf. So, <laughs> like. Well, she hasn't been out of her tower. <laughs> that's true. But if you're yeah. not seeing it and she can't read his palms or she won't do it, he won't let her do like a crystal gazing. Does he have paws instead of palms? Oh, oh, I want to see him as a werewolf. He's probably so adorable. Sorry. That's OK. Um, My other thing that I find really interesting at this Christmas dinner yeah. is um, yet another Trelawney prediction. Oh, yeah. That the first person who stands up is going to die because there were 13 of them at the table. What what does that look? Do you expect me to give that any credence? No, hey, nobody's gonna die. Either Harry or Ron. Either Harry or Ron. No. That the, they get up together and then she freaks out and like, who of you? Which of you? Yeah, I mean Harry's gonna die eventually, but Ron's probably gonna die eventually too. Before Trelawney, before McGonagall, before oh, Dumbledore. Good question. Before. Not before Dumbledore. No, Dumbledore goes before Harry. Before all of them. Yeah. No. No. It's stupid. Snape. Is Snape there? Yeah, because he uh, pulled on the he lost the party popper thing, the Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's good. That, that little moment where the hat pops out, it's good. It's good. Uh, Does it produce what you're wanting? Is that what it is? In, in the magical Christmas cracker, because that's... it produces Neville's grandma's hat. <laughs> And that is so specific. Maybe it's just a really And is Dumbledore common... just sitting here thinking, you know what I really want? 
I want something new. For, I want something new to wear. And I hope so. I really like, hope whoever so. Whoever wishes stronger gets it or something. I don't know. It's got to be some magical function of that, right? Yeah. I like it, though. It was very funny. It was, anyway. a, it was a good moment. Uh, yeah, the salt was real. It was pretty awkward for everybody else at the table between McGonagall and Trelawney. And the little first year who, like, <laughs> practically pees himself when Dumbledore talks to him. Yeah, it's like, yeah. speaking of Dumbledore not mattering, Dumbledore mattered to that kid. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And in my mind, you know, and Dumbledore is like, you should really try the sausage. It's an excellent sausage. And in my head, I'm like, this kid's probably a vegetarian, too. He's probably <laughs> he's probably mortified by this experience. He's going to be like, in this one time, and I couldn't say no because everyone was looking at me, so I just ate this sausage. <laughs> i ate it i ate the whole thing that's what i had in my head so it's like someone handing you the tofurkey on thanksgiving and you're like mm. Mm. everybody was looking at me I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't say no good stuff that's all i have for this chapter yeah it was a it was a nice chapter so uh why don't you tell me what your favorite quote is mm, my favorite quote to the surprise of of no one quoth the quoth. chapter quoteth but whom? Wh- whom? Quoth. <laughs> it's on page uh, 219. Let me flip to it. Let me continue. Flipping. All right, so it starts on page 218 and then goes on to 219. So uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked at one another. They had never seen eye to eye with, with Hagrid about what he called interesting creatures and other people had called terrifying monsters on the other hand there didn't seem to be any particular harm in buckbeak in fact by hagrid's usual standards he was positively cute i liked that just positively cute as he sits there in the corner and tears apart some rabbit (sighs) positively cute i just want to pet buck i I just want to hang out with buckbeak i just want to hang out with hagrid and then we You just st- want to be Hagrid. No, 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 no. No, I'm not a drunkard. You would like be in Hagrid's shoes and like move him past this this level of mm. of downness. Like I'd be Hagrid on on antidepressants. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd have your you'd have your life figured out yeah, a lot better if you were in Hagrid's shoes. Yeah, and I'd be friends with Lupin, and I would know a secret, and it'd be cool. I'm like, can I watch you turn into a werewolf? And he's like, ah, it's not really. I don't I don't really like people to be around. You're like, come on, man, come on, I can take it. Come on, it's awesome. Come Let's on, hang it's out. So cool. And then they just like run around through the forest and <laughs> fight spiders. It's pretty cool. Hang out with spiders, not fight them. Well, maybe just for fun. Maybe the spiders are into it. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite quote, Alyssa? My favorite quote is literally the sentence before your favorite quote. Oops. (laughs) Literally. Like the sentence. The sentence. All right. The two sentences right before. Yeah, bring it on. So they're, they're talking about like, uh... I don't even think they mention it. What? But they turn around and they're talking to to Hagrid about how Buckbeak's been served, and and then it, back in the corner they hear like Buckbeak slopping around and tearing <laughs> up this creature, and then you hear Hagrid. I couldn't leave him tied up out there in the snow, all on his own at Christmas. <laughs> At Christmas, I just I just yeah. love that last bit of yeah. 
Like, it's Christmas, and it's time, it's the time for us to love each other and be in the warmth together. Time for family. It was just so cute. I, I, I I might, like, Buckbeak does seem cute, but Mm. I would probably be like, eh, like, not, not, not interested in, like, housing Buckbeak necessarily, but... Oh man, I feel this guy's irrational love for re- weird creatures in yeah. that quote. Of like, it is a time of mercy. <laughs> <laughs> we need to pardon the hippogriff because it's Christmas. That's right. Mm. President pardons a turkey. Yep. You pardon a hippogriff. Yep. Though it does lead me to, um, <clears throat> I think, the very first chapter of the book, you asked me, Who's the prisoner of Azkaban? Mm-hmm. And I'm jokingly like, <laughs> it's probably this griffin thing on the front cover, right? <laughs> no, but seriously, it might become the griffin on the front cover. <laughs> In all seriousness, it is not too late for, for Buckbeak real. to become the prisoner of Azkaban. Do you think they put hippogriffs in Azkaban? Is it human jail or is it everybody jail? See, that's that's, you know, we'll find out. And then in the next installment, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, you know, I joked at the very beginning. That's probably this bird thing. But now I'm like, but, but. But it's the bird thing. But it's the bird thing who's who's actually Sirius Black. <laughs> <laughs> who's actually Voldemort. Got him. Uh, we are all Buckbeak. <laughs> we are all Buckbeak and we are all on to chapter 12. Yeah. What happened there? The Patronus. What? Patronus. There we go. I always read it Patronus. The patriarchy. <laughs> you you read a Patronus? Patronus is how I read it when I was 13. Huh. And I still read it when I'm like, I go so quickly, you know, when you're reading, yeah, it doesn't actually yeah. like Hermione is still how I pronounced it in hmm. my head when I was young and like pre movies. Nice. Which is Hermione because I didn't know. No idea. Wait. Hermione is how I pronounced it. Oh, yeah. When I was 11 and had never encountered this name before. Hmm. Anyway, in the Patronus, Harry and Ron freeze out Hermione for letting for getting his firebolt confiscated. Bum, bum, bum. And then Lupin begins anti-dementor lessons with Harry, where new information is revealed about Harry's parents and the true potential of a dementor. Like the dementor's kiss, which should be a shot. Is that a shot? Like a, like a cocktail shot? Dan. Oh, it's gotta be. Dan, make us that oh, shot. I, I must take to the internet now because Yeah. It's probably it probably has one of those cinnamon hearts in it. You know, like the the ones that come around on Valentine's Day. That's probably something gummy. that I would not go anywhere near. Well, yeah, but that's probably be like the the little spice. Like the what kiss. kind? There's got to be tequila in that, right? Mm, I don't know, Dan. I know you're Dementor's listening. Dementor's kiss cocktail. Text me your version of a Dementor's kiss, please. Oh yeah, I wanna I wanna know. This this is a cocktail, it's not a shot. That's okay. Creme de cocoa, mm-hmm. vodka, mm-hmm. coffee liqueur. Oh, so it's nice and dark. Half and half. What? It's white Russian? Okay. Cinnamon. Okay, but no cinnamon. Cinnamon hearts. and chocolate. Oh, I need cinnamon hearts. Okay. That's I would not have that, I don't think. I'm not I'm not saying it'd be any good. I'm just saying it needs some element of the kiss. So, vodka, butterscotch schnapps, cream soda, half and half, and another one. Sounds more like butterbeer. 
Mm, yeah, that might be. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So, anti-dementor lessons. Lupin. Lupin actually did it. He's so cool. I wonder if he told Dumbledore. I wonder. I that really Lupin do. taught Harry, or what? That Lupin's. That I wonder if Lupin is keeping Dumbledore in the loop about all this. About Harry learning how to fight Dementors. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing you maybe have to report. <laughs> yeah, I, it might be a good thing to do. Yeah. And I think I don't know. Would. I don't like. Does Dumbledore have like fireside chats with his employees? I hope so. <laughs> they come up to to his office and hang around. Yeah, the fire is just his phoenix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of burning there <laughs> on and, a burning day. No big deal. Yeah, and then every now and then it just puffs out, and he's like, "Well, chat's over." <sighs> but these lessons are intense, man. And Harry's taking it like a total champ. He. um does not understand what happy memories are. <laughs> Apparently not. Or at least not happy enough. Yeah. The I don't know. first time he got on a broom, I mean, like, yeah, sure. But, like, really? There's that. And then we have a second one. When they won the cup. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all Quidditch related until he gets away from Quidditch, which is, I'm going to be removed from, from an abusive home for a certain amount of time, which seems like a pretty substantial happy memory. That seems way better. But still kind of tainted with lots of confusion and like, I don't really trust this person. Yeah. And, and... it was a rough few weeks leading up to it. Uh, yeah. With so the letters. what kind, I mean, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Chekhov's Patronus. <laughs> yeah. What's going to be the happy memory that triggers an actual full-blown Patronus? Hmm. I don't know. I was trying to think about this too. I mean... It'd probably be the first time that he felt like he truly had a family, like a new family, not his dead family. So I'm trying to remember when that was. I feel like there may have even been a quote where it's like he had never felt this, you know, this at this moment, Harry realized that he truly had a family. I I feel like there was a moment like that. I just can't remember what. Like maybe something at the burrow? Yeah, I was thinking about the burrow. That doesn't have Hermione involved, but it does have, you know, the feeling of, of being or like, a part of something. like, it was the best birthday ever. Could be. It really could be. Uh, or like that first Christmas at Hogwarts, that was really something special. I think you're tending toward a certain kind of happy memory. Mm-hmm. And Harry at the beginning... Very much not. <laughs> tends toward achievement happy. Yeah, yeah. And then saved happy which i think kind of lands more in relief yeah yeah and then what you're talking about is more included happy mm-hmm. accepted happy which i think is ultimately the, more important to the Harry. relief is closer to accepted happy yeah but very yeah. very different from achievement happy yeah and i don't think the and achievement like, happy is going to get him what he wants uninhibited happy i guess would be the first one of like free and like that just that sensation of flying yeah isn't really achievement related but it seems like harry got pretty close to succeeding towards the end there he got to where the dementor actually like stopped mm-hmm. which and is and he like huge. didn't pass out i think yeah he didn't pass out he kind of grew a little faint but he didn't mm-hmm. actually faint so I'm curious, like, 
okay, so I had my mind, and I told you this pre-show that for some reason, when it works, it for some, like each Patronus has like a form. I don't know why this comes into my head, but I just have this idea of like this glowing elk shooting out and like charging at the Dementor. And I don't know if I just like saw a movie clip. It could be again. I have no idea. Like pop culture, Harry Potter stuff is everywhere. So for all I know, I've literally seen this scene happen. And I didn't understand what was happening, but I've just seen it happen. So it's like, in my mind, there's this glowing... Are you spoiled without knowing you're even spoiled? And at what point were you spoiled? And maybe that's not, like, is that what everybody's looks like? Yeah, exactly. Or is that someone else's? Or is that something else entirely different that is a similar like a creature or yeah there's no way for me to really know but in my mind like my head cannon is when it works there's going to be this giant glowing elk that charges out and i think that's pretty cool what do you think lupin's happy memory is so many wolves i think it's the first time that he just held at mother moon right just really let it out for mother moon maybe it was a blood moon so it was before a harvest no a harvest moon yeah the first time he saw a harvest moon <laughs> Where just like first time you see a moon, that's a harvest moon. That is something else. That's when the moon just like it's it's. I I think that's first time on a broom, mm. level. Like it's a cool thing. It's definitely not to be discounted. But that's not a happy enough memory. Maybe to. Uh, maybe I don't know. In my mind, it would just be running with his wolf bros. And just like See, running through the forest. And that to me is closer to sort of what we were talking about, about yeah. acceptance yeah. and belonging. Hashtag wolf bros. <clears throat> I don't know. But these anti-dementor lessons, they sound exhausting. It's really cool that Lupin's doing it. It's really cool that Lupin wants to keep doing it, too. Uh, like, it's nice to see magic being taught to students in a school of magic. It's really nice. Says the person who who said it's not a story about really even casting magic it hasn't been (laughs) we're getting there (laughs) it is cool though it is i i like seeing the effects i'm wondering with the way that he peddles that chocolate Mm -hmm. is it just straight up chocolate yeah or is there something magical in it no just chocolate is it drugged can it be trusted (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah. Once upon a time, I read a story. <laughs> oh no! Called Poison Study. Oh. And and there's like a a special kind of chocolate that has like a thing that lets your senses down in it, and and it's hmm. now now I like I'm wondering if there's something in this chocolate, and it's just good, and people like it, and whatever. It's just a special kind of chocolate, no big deal. But really, it's like also possibly dangerous. <laughs> Lupin's a bad man with a hidden secret and a love for Mother Moon. Is it impossible? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with the chocolate. <laughs> but is the, is the fact that Lupin... <laughs> is Lupin a bad guy? Nah, nah, nah. We need... If every single time it was the def- defense against the dark arts teacher, like every time, I'd, I'd, be, I'd get old. I'd get real old. Like, there there are a fixed number of good people in this world and they've hired all of them already so yeah that leaves only the baddies in my mind lupins please we need to get another book out of this guy if they get rid of lupin i'm gonna be like okay okay I, i'm just not gonna fall in love with any more characters if that's the case if they're falling in not... love with lupin <sighs> 
know. That's real. <laughs> you don't say that unfiltered. Aww. <sighs> Clark loves just, Lupin. He's just, he's just a really neat professor guy. He's just doing his job. And he's just, you know, pushing politics aside and just helping someone. And that seems to, you know, he's like the anti-Snape, where Snape's like, would let his pettiness win over anything. And Lupin's like, you know what? I'm just going to do my job. And then some. And uh, hopefully not drug kids with chocolate, because that'd be weird. So, as a Lupin lover, Mm. um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what do you make of when... When Harry, when he's talking about Dementors, mm-hmm. he has, like, this stuck out to me. He has a twisted smile. A twisted smile. I, I mean, he has an interest in the macabre. And that's part of why he does his job. Part of, you know, why he's drawn to Defense Against the Dark Arts is because he's a character in the dark arts. Werewolves are not not seen as good guys in many cultures, you know? So it's like, he's kind of been cast that lot. So do you think think he he... sympathizes with the Dementor? I think he sympathizes with that which is feared and misunderstood. I think that he has this inherent idea of, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) I don't know. It's like a, a botanist being fond of mushrooms where it's like, why would someone be interested in mushrooms? They're just kind of this weird gross thing but he's like no 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 they're very functional like you might not like mushrooms they might be very very poisonous and dangerous and takes a long time to understand them because they're their own family but um ultimately like they serve a purpose and they need to be like respected because they have a place in the natural order uh i don't know twisted smile i didn't even really notice that i think he's just fascinated I think he's fascinated by something that's that extreme. It's it's when he's talking about the Dementor's kiss, actually. Hmm. They call it the Dementor's kiss, said Lupin with a slightly twisted smile. It's what Dementors do to those who they wish to destroy utterly. Hmm. A twisted smile. I don't know. I, I think... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just smiling at the name because the name is so ironic. Oh, there's a thought. That's a yeah. lot simpler of an answer than I thought. But yeah. He's just like, they call it the Dementor's Kiss, but but check this. It's not like a kiss. It's, right? it's not good. You're it's young. Not... You're young. You don't know yet. But like... Like Dementors, they have cooties, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Like, like Big not good. cooties. Real not good. Yeah. So I think it may be as simple as that. He's like, mm, this is going to sound like something, but it's not that. Uh, it's weird that he doesn't know what's under a Dementor's hood, that no one knows what's under a Dementor's hood. That stuck out to me. It, I, I was... Hmm. This doesn't seem like a very let-it-be culture, the Wizarding World. Yeah. They yeah. have a whole committee for the destruction of dangerous creatures. Yeah. We as humans don't have a great track record for not torturing things we don't understand. Yeah. So it seems to me that they should have at some point tied one of these things up Mm -hmm. and uncloaked it. Yeah. You'd really think so. Because, I mean, well, the fact that they even got cloaks in the first place. um, Do they make the cloaks? It doesn't seem like they just, like, come out of... Lady Dementors make the clothes. (laughs) Uh... 
part of me thinks that like dementors are like the result of other dementors where it's like yeah you get a dementors kiss and it turns you into the soulless walking being like a virus yeah and then the next natural stage is like well you're an empty vessel so you become a vacuum as you do that sort of checks out yeah uh but you'd think yeah someone would chain it down like have you seen attack on titan Mm-mm. nope okay there's these giants and they definitely restrain them and, and conduct experiments because they're yeah it just they just don't seem like a very tolerant society not for something this not for something that they're using and as a tool yeah and yeah. they found a way to to work with them and i just i find it hard to believe that someone at some point hasn't and i guess they probably have yeah. and didn't live to tell the tale yeah that's probably it and they went into it knowing i i want to i want to write this down i want to share it i want to i want to mm-hmm. i want the world to know about this and instead it's, it's like just... the silence yeah you have all these marks oh. on your arm and you've seen a dementor <laughs> that's how you know see and i was sort of equating them to giant squids oh like these these big real creatures that until really recently i thought one of them washed up in 2014 yeah but really recently we didn't actually have photo or video documentation that it was real yeah we just had a strong hunch we we just we pretty much knew people had seen it Mm mm-hmm Mm, they're they're just they're they're really rare creatures yeah and so that that was something to me that that maybe they're like giant squid level but they have hundreds of them at their beck and call there could be hundreds of giant squids oh i i hope so (laughs) we know less about the floor of the earth than we do about us anyway (laughs) there's that whole saying where it's like we know less about or we know more about the moon than we do about the bottom of the ocean. It's like, yeah. Turtles all the way down. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> yeah. Dementor's hood. No one's seen it. Or if they have, they haven't told the tale. Real creepy stuff. So. Hmm. Chekhov's all over this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, when are we going to see it? The Dementor's kiss. The Dementor's kiss. When will we see it? Mm. I mean, it's got to be on the big bad guy, right? Like, it's it's got to be that whole thing of, like... I totally thought you were going to say it's got to be on page whatever. Oh, <laughs> like, like yeah. it was, I was waiting for that specificity, because the way you set it up, it sounded like it. <laughs> it's it's like got to be on page 429, right? <laughs> It's like that Miss America question, like, describe your perfect day. And she's like, I'd, I want, I'd say April 20th. <laughs> it's hot, but not too hot. <laughs> exactly uh, what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, no, I. <sighs> this book later? Yeah, this book. Yeah, Chekhov's it, rolling doesn't roll that over. At least not yet. Um yeah, I think Dementor's Kiss will be this one to whoever the big bad is. Hopefully they'll figure out a way to sick the Dementors on them. Like, the Dementor will be, like, coming in to give Harry or whoever the kiss, and he'll Patronus it away, and it'll just, like, latch on to the next available vessel. Wow. Yeah, it's made up its mind. Uh, it's it's not leaving there without a meal. Um, hopefully not Lupin. Hopefully not Lupin. Man. 
I really hope This is what I'm happens when you fall in love. You lose what you love. This is why I don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay, that's That's not why. totally why I quit watching Game of Thrones. Oh, really? They took the only character that didn't suck in the end of the first season. Oh. I was like, well, that's I, it. That's why I never watched The Walking Dead, because all the characters suck. Anyway. <laughs> and have even before the zombies came around, strangely enough. Ah, uh, humanity. Right. <laughs> Uh, so um when is it gonna happen i don't when, when do you think it's gonna happen what do you think what's your head can <laughs> this never works <laughs> do i make the same face every time <laughs> mm, roundabout <laughs> uh how about harry and ron being upset with hermione that was kind of a minor plot point in all this i mean compared to talking about dementors kisses and stuff it's like oh yeah and also they were mad at hermione but they worked it out because he got the broom back it was yeah. it very much harkened back to year one yeah where they where they weren't talking to her before they were friends yeah and i was glad that they reconciled mm. at the end i was bummed that it did not involve an apology yeah, she totally deserved an apology. She deserved an I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. And Harry needs to learn to say, I'm sorry. Yep. Yep, he does. Granted, he hasn't ever had anyone model that for him. Yeah. But. It's, it's, there are plenty of people that are much older than Harry that don't Ron certainly has had that modeled. Yeah, yeah. There's no way Molly Weasley has let him get to 13 without apologizing. Yeah. It's just, so she deserved better than that, I think. But he did, like, swallow his pride and go talk to her and and figure it out. But it was, it was just sad to me. Um, And I, I, there was one more thing that I wanted to talk about, about the Dementors, actually. Um, And it was that um, Harry's hearing more and more voices. The longer he does this, the more he hears. Um, and I wanted to ask you if you think that those voices are some form of real or purely imagined or some mix of the two. Like, he's hearing some, like, it started out as screaming mm-hmm. and then it became pleading and then it he at one point thought he heard his dad's voice. Yeah, it's becoming more detailed. He heard someone talking to Voldemort. Is he like, is it call, like calling up infant Harry's memory or is he filling in the blanks or is it a combination of the two? Or I think that someone talking to Voldemort, I think he made that up because that kind of came in a different sequence and he was just kind of imagining what it, what it was like when Sirius Black did it. And like, that was just kind of like this what if scenario. Mm. So I think that's that's definitely some sort of false flag because he doesn't it, you know why would Voldemort it, I don't know I don't think that Harry would have been around to hear that conversation um okay yeah so I don't think that part is actually part of it but his dad and his mom and stuff I mean it makes sense that you dig it up a little bit and it doesn't sink back all the way down and then you dig it up and a little bit more comes with it like I I think that he really is just hearing a bit more of what actually happened. I really do. Um, except for the guy reporting back to Voldemort, because no. <laughs> that's just cheesy, if it's true. I think that's just 
Yeah, his imagination. So, and it, there was... Um, okay, that's all I wanted to know about that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was... was So, Harry and Ron are... They've iced out Hermione. But also, Harry tells Oliver Wood about the Firebolt. And Oliver Wood's like, I'm going to go get that from McGonagall. Like... Yep. Dress like he's like hey I got this one. This is for Gryffindor, <laughs> and and like, I love yeah. how Harry delivers this news. Like I got a firebolt, and Wood is like, "What? Where is it? I have to see it." All this, and Harry's just like, "Sigh." <laughs> Sirius Black is out to kill me, and like just just shares the news like yeah. like it's nothing. Like to Harry. The fact that someone is supposedly trying to kill him is everyone else is trying so hard to keep it from him. And he's very much like it's it's this is just my life. Yeah. Like someone is always trying to kill me, it seems. Yep. So. And I think he's because of that, I can't have a broom. And I think it's kind of annoying for him, too, because like it's like people not saying Voldemort. And Harry's just like, come on, guys. (laughs) Like, just just say his name. Just just say it. Well, that's it's almost like. The frequency with which Harry lives a life where people are trying to kill him. Yeah. Uh, it's like talking about how there are other drivers on the road. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, there was a fatal crash last night. Yep. Every night. So I can't drive. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Ugh. Poor guy. Uh, um, I wanted to know what you thought the testing of the firebolt actually looked like. And I wanted... Like, who do you think... Do you think someone wrote it? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Who wrote it? Oh, man. Is that maybe why it took so long to get the fireball back to him? Because oh. everybody took a ride on the fireball. I mean, I think McGonagall would have to be a little curious, right? Like, yeah. that That's really funny. Yeah, I bet some people put some miles on it. Like, clearly, Madame Hooch was probably, like, She's like, first I know what level. a real broom feels like. Let and me. then she probably can't actually handle it. And then McGonagall actually is, like, the tester. Mm. But my other question for you. <laughs> okay. So he gets the the broom back at the end. Supposedly it's fine. Yeah. Is it really fine? That's fine. Is it possible that whatever curse could have been on it was intended only for him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. once he gets on it. Uh, yeah, that's possible. They really should have tested for that. They really should have thought of that. You can't just polyjuice a Harry. Yeah. No. Uh, not the real thing. Not the same like, thing. Bring the real thing in and it supervised this time. Not in the middle of a match. Way smarter. Because they're not going to stop a match, even if his broom's going crazy. We know that. Why do you think, like, Harry didn't try to buy another broom? I don't know. I really don't know. He like he did not take the appropriate steps when your broom is maybe confiscated forever. I think this was, uh, you know, I I didn't Ron get another wand. Well, because it served a purpose for the story. <laughs> That's really it. And Ron, I guess, didn't have enough money, whatever. But like, nope. It she the author could have had him buy another broom. She didn't because she needed this to happen. It, it's another one of those author things. Uh. I think I think he I think he was so convinced that the broom was okay. Yeah. He just Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And too. and like out of sheer like not stubbornness, but like 
he believes out of his sheer force of will. Yeah. That like, if I buy a buffoon, if I if I buy a buffoon, buffoon, if I buy a buffoon, if I buy a broom, I will be admitting defeat. Yeah. I would be admitting that there really is a potential risk here. Yeah, it could be that too. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, he doesn't know how long it's going to take either. So it's kind of this weird thing of like, why go spend the money and go through the effort if he's just going to have it back in a day or two? Well, and yeah. I mean, I, I think he very much knows it's probably going to take a long time. Yeah. But he very much hopes yeah, that, you know, back. today, like it's time. I mean, he pesters so much. Every day. <laughs> uh Real quick, um, and then I, I want to hear your favorite quotes, but the Buckbeak trial and the Dementor's Kiss being brought up in the same part of the book, I don't think is a coincidence. I, I think that this book is definitely broaching the topic of, okay, let's talk about the death sentence. Let's talk about that. You know, like, uh, when is it appropriate is it appropriate? What is it? You know, like who deserves it, who deserves it and who decides who deserves it. And I think we will see some parallels to Buckbeak and Sirius Black, this whole Dementor's kiss thing, you know, because whenever they get Sirius Black, they will want him real dead, real dead, real quick. He's not going back to Azkaban. They're just going to finish the job right there because he's shown Azkaban can't contain him. So it's just deciding like, Okay, there are all these parallels of, okay, Buckbeak, we're supposed to sympathize with Buckbeak in this case. What? No, death sentence, that's way too much. No, don't kill him, give him a shot. And then that's going to be contrasted with, no, but Sirius Black, this guy's a total piece of crap, he totally deserves the death sentence. And it's like, well, you know, what if what if Sirius was just following someone else's orders? What if he was just taken over by someone else? What if he was just, you know, I, I think we will see this theme be explored a bit more like i said it's not coincidence that we have two well we have one death trial coming up of buckbeak and then we have the eventual trial of Sirius black i think in this book and i think that's very much on purpose i think we will be brought to believe like okay death sentence is bad unless it's not for this guy because he's because he's human because he's a murderer because of all this i think that's going to be definitely a, a theme if that makes sense. Is this Joanne's To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> yep. Yep. Totally. Uh, oh, George. Uh, that's of mice and men. I'm yeah. I'm like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> Which might be more applicable to Buckbeak uh, because he's just a simple animal and did not intend to hurt anybody necessarily. Interesting. Mm. Um, I realized we said we would talk about something later, and then we haven't actually talked about it. Oh. So, um, We're not checkhopping ourselves very well. Yeah. So Dementors don't affect Sirius Black the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about why? That? How so? Mm. And why? How does he avoid it? I don't know. He may have put his soul somewhere else. That's my mm. guess. His souls, they can't, they can't suckle that soul because the soul is not there the soul is do you have to have away. a soul in order to feel the dementors certainly effects? helps I, I i think like just because they eat your soul mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that's what makes you feel them mm, it certainly helps yeah you're probably right <laughs> yeah I, I think he's it, my prevailing theory is that he's made himself a shell of a man 
as soon as he, you know, kind of realized he was going off to Azkaban and stuff like that, he offloaded his soul or his heart or whatever to something else. And uh, now he's coming to find it, coming to get it and, and, and actualize once again. Because that seems to be the villain's way here. You know, stash a little bit of yourself in this diary. Stash a little bit of yourself here. And, yeah, so I think he just stashed whatever it is that the Dementors take away. He's stashed it away, and now he's coming to get it. Bag of holding? Check. Which might also, <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't have a soul and he was able to slip past the Dementors to get out of Azkaban, who's to say he can't slip past them to get into Hogwarts again? And he very well may have stashed whatever it is in Hogwarts, around Hogwarts, of Hogwarts. There's all sorts of secret passageways. He's starting to think like Harry Clark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I, think, I think he's already said that even. Like, um, Black slipped by them before, and now they're protecting us? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm in the same boat as Harry. Um, yep. If, if whatever it is that made it so they don't affect him... That's what's gonna. That's what enables him to get by them because they can't sense him because what they sense is the soul. What they sense are those emotions and whatever. So if he's just a shell, well, just a shell. And so he just needs to get by them visually. You know, he just needs to sneak by them. I mean, throw on a cloak. Do they have eyes? <laughs> Probably. Well, mm, mm. might not even have to get by them visually. Just saying. <laughs> That's true. They might be purely... Uh, we don't know what's under the hood. Yeah, might be Are some... they one of those, like, creepy, like, their hands have eyes? Oh, like... I've seen those. Yeah, what is that? Um, it's like a seer. Yeah, what is that? Night of a Thousand... Nope. I thought it was one of the Rob Zombie movies. It's creepy. Yeah, real creepy. Anyway, uh, my guess, soul somewhere else. That's why he's out. He's trying to go get it. I'm trying to figure out how Ginny gets on Buckbeak, and like on the cover. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. When when a when a hippogriff and a boy love each other very much. <laughs> Redheads. <laughs> so, what's your uh, favorite quote of this chapter? Mine is on page two thirty six. Apparently, I'm a big fan of. Bogarts. Because Lupin and Harry are practicing their anti-dementor lessons on a Bogart. And Lupin pulls one out and he says, Another Bogart. I've been combing the castle ever since Tuesday and very luckily found this one lurking inside Mr. Filch's filing cabinet. (laughs) The nearest will get to a real dementor. The Bogart will turn into a dementor when he sees you, so we'll be able to practice on him. I can store him in my office when we're not using him. There's a cupboard under my desk he'll like. (laughs) It just sort yeah. of it's 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 kind of full of some exposition, but I still just love the characteristics of the Boggart of like it's it's just gonna hide in this warm and cozy little corner of a filing cabinet yeah. or a desk. It's it's I, like he has the shoebox and he's like I put leaves in it from the tree I found it on. <laughs> I'm I'm just like picturing this like yeah. warm and fuzzy and like the the reason that they turn into a scary thing is you like let light into their dark corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think Boggart's, you know, I don't think they're all bad. I don't really think they're that malicious necessarily. They're just they just like their dark cozy spaces. Yeah. I get that. I get that. So I really, and I, I just love the, the characterization of them. So pretty much if it's a Bogger quote, I'm probably going to like it. Hmm. What about you, Clark? Well, let's see. I thought I had it written down, but I don't. All right. So okay. I found it. It's, um, 
it, I guess this feeds into something that we didn't talk about, which is actually okay, because we'll get to talk about it very briefly. But on uh, <laughs> page 235, we get uh, Hermione is she's she's losing her cool a bit man she's getting a bit threadbare she's getting a bit like uh just just overwhelmed so there's this interaction with her at the very bottom of 235 feet into the next page where um let's see they're talking about lupin or wait no they're either talking about scabbers or lupin i'm not sure but it says that still looks ill doesn't he said ron as they walked on the corridor heading to dinner what do you reckon is the matter with him oh they're talking about lupin yeah there was a loud and impatient tuh from behind them (laughs) <laughs> Tuh. It was a... <laughs> it was Hermione who had been sitting at the feet of a suit of armor repacking her bag which was so full of books it wouldn't close and what are you tutting at us for said her aunt irritably she said nothing said Hermione <laughs> heaving her bag back over her shoulder I just love that like she she clearly has something to say she's clearly just like so fed up with everybody else being so clueless around her that that she tuts and then they're like all right what is it and she's like nothing and then they're like oh no it's something and she's like isn't it obvious she's just so like not helpful at all it's just like come on hermione do you think she knows of course she knows all the signs are there she's yeah Hermione definitely knows. She's just not one. For once, she doesn't have like the mental energy to just like run this into the ground. Any other semester, and she'd be in the library reading up on it. She'd be getting them, you know. Oh, we gotta go. But this semester, she just she's just like, you guys, you. How have you not figured this out yet? <laughs> like, come on, man. It's in his name. <laughs> yeah, like, go chase him down. I don't have the time or energy. Like, come on. Yeah, so she's got to figure it out. Um, she figured it out before Trelawney, that's for sure. Uh, well, she's in class with him a couple times a week. It, it helps, yeah. Yeah. So It's uh, easier to see when you can see. Yes. Easier to see than to see your... Uh-huh. I was trying so hard. I, you, I couldn't you know, make yeah, it work. You, I, uh, you tried real hard. It's okay. It's it's a constellation that didn't quite work out. It's missing the nose. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, cool. That's chapter twelve. Yeah. That's uh, next time. We are we are more than halfway. Yeah, I'm really excited to finally read the next couple. I'm of liking chapters. this one. Yeah, you've been waiting a while. Whew. It's yeah. See, I don't even know what's coming up. Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Ooh. I love those Quidditch chapters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your favorite thing. <laughs> and uh, Snape's Garage, which is actually what I'm really looking forward to. So uh, I'm going to so go. Excited. I'm going to go start reading those. So um, where where uh, in the meantime? In the meantime, check us out at Wordstruck Pod on Twitter and on Instagram and Wordstruck Podcast on Facebook. And shoot us, hit us up, send us a an email if you want to send something longer than 140 characters at wordstrokepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have any beef with me or with Clark or want to just talk with one of us, I'm at Alyssa Small. And uh, I'm at Clark Hodges. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next week for another episode. Bye. Bye.